You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning again, everyone. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here. And throughout this month, we've been walking through this series called uh, Living Proof through the book of James. If you're not familiar, the book of James is in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, near the, near the end. And uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus. That's so such a powerful book. It was originally a letter that was written. And uh, the intention of it was really to the early church to, to share some foundational issues. And uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, had this happen, but you've had this desire. Usually it happens probably at the beginning of the year where you're like, I want to change something. We get these big ideas, these ideas of huge change in our lives. And, and, and then we get this idea of something we want to change, and we get overwhelmed with the, the size of the task before us. I don't know if you've been in that place before. Maybe you're saying, hey, I want to lose weight. So you think, I'm going to cut entire food groups out of my diet. It's just going to happen. I'm going to cut, or I need to fix my uh, bank account, my finances. They're a mess. And we, we start eliminating entire categories from our budget. Or we're saying, I'm not going to go out to eat anymore. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. Or we want to transform a room. So we think, we're just going to rip down this entire wall. Or we're going to repaint this. Or we're going to recarpet this. And, and, and what I've found sometimes is that big changes can, can make a big difference. But, but, but beyond that, I believe and I've found that little changes can often make lasting difference. And we love the big things, but sometimes the little things are the things that can be more important. Sure, cutting out high calorie or high carb items from your diet can create quick weight loss, but 15 minutes uh, working out every day can actually sustain that weight loss, right? Or, or sure, eliminating entire categories of your budget might help with your cash flow issue, but this little thing called discipline can actually help you stay there. Or, or yeah, you can rip out a wall, Ripping out walls is fun, right? What do you do with it when it's done, though? But uh, ripping out a wall, repainting, recarpeting are good, but, but if you don't take care of it, it's not going to last. And, and here's a simple idea that I want to share with you guys uh, in our moments together today is this. Little things can make a lasting difference. You know, we love the big things, but little things can make a lasting difference. Let me give you an example. Last year, uh, my family, we went to the Westmoreland County Fair. Any of you like to go to the fair, up at the fairgrounds? And uh, we were there. We went to the, uh, like the big stadium arena there, and we were watching uh, these horses pull huge sleds, thousands of pounds. It's incredible to watch these creatures, these God's creation, like how big and impressive and strong they are. And they're pulling all of this weight. It was amazing to watch these teams of horses pull weight that most of our cars couldn't even think of pulling. Uh, and they're, they're doing it, and they're pulling, and they're pulling. And, and these impressive uh, beings that God created were being steered by simply a little bit in their mouth, something really simple. And, and, and this is true with a horse. Yeah, you can spook a horse and, and kind of get them to go in a different direction, right? But if you want to go on a journey with a horse, all it is is a little bit. You can steer that big, impressive, strong creature with a little bit in their mouth, a little thing can make a lasting difference. So often, we, we take this whole thing of following Jesus, and we make it so big and so complex that it can feel sometimes like we're, we're, we're failing miserably and drowning in an ocean of rules and, and, and regulations, when in essence, it, it really can come down to some small, simple things. And this is what James is writing about throughout the book of James, as he's trying to share some foundational, basic ideas 
of following Jesus. And in the opening chapter, James makes a statement about one of the small things that can make a, a lasting difference. And, and then he expands on it later in chapter 3. And in chapter 1, verse 26, here's what James writes. He said, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Can you say worthless? Their religion is worthless. I don't know about you. I don't want anything I do to be worthless, right? We don't want our time to be worthless. We don't want our efforts and our energy to be worthless. There's nothing more deflating than your boss saying, everything, that project you just worked on for the last six months, we're going to throw it away. We're going to start something different. It feels worthless, right? We don't want things to be worthless. And, and James is saying, if, if you're saying you're a follower of Jesus, you, you've, this is really important to you, and this has changed your life, and yet you can't t- keep a tight rein on your tongue, and I would expand that to not just your tongue, but your text messages and your, your, your posts and, and your messages and all of that stuff. If you can't keep a tight rein on that, it's almost worthless, What James is is doing is he's stressing that one of the most important things about following Jesus and making it a lasting, lifelong journey is paying attention to this little thing that we call words. And in chapter 3, he expands on that one sentence a little more, and he, he provides these three kind of word pictures to illustrate really what he's talking about in the power, the impact of our words. And here's what he writes in James chapter 3, starting in verse 3. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And, and as I mentioned earlier, if you think about it, how strong a horse is, how, 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 how much muscle and, and mass, and, and that big horse can be steered just by that little bit in their mouth. Verse 4, he says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. This little thing called our tongue can steer the whole thing. You've probably experienced this in your life before, where things are going really well, and it at work or in a relationship or something like that, and one little thing happens that someone says, and it changes everything, changes the whole dynamic. It it reframes the whole relationship or reframes the whole arrangement at work. Uh, Words can carry such power. And with all three of these illustrations, James is really trying to get to this simple simple idea that little things can make a lasting difference. The little words that you say, the things that you say can make a lasting difference. We can so often be flippant with our words and can act like our words are in some way separate from who we really are. Like, Like, I'm actually this, but I can talk like this. Or I can say these things. I would side with James here and argue that our words actually are not separate, but an extension of who we really are on the inside. The things that you post, the things that you say, even if no one's watching or listening, like even if you're talking about someone behind their back, they're never going to hear it, maybe. You're still showing an example of what you are and who you are deep down inside. If our words are filled with gossip, backbiting, negative statements, we're eventually going to find ourselves living with this victim mentality or, or living our lives with this very negative approach to everything we experience. And this is what Jesus communicated in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 45. He said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That, that what's in here, deep down inside, that maybe no one even sees or knows, eventually comes out. Because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words are simply of an expression of what's really happening on the inside. 
We so often can work really hard to be the right person, maybe to portray the right image, to live up to all the roles or standards that others have put on us or we've put on ourselves. When in reality, a lot can boil down to something so simple as our words. Sure, you can act the part for a little while, you can walk the talk, but are you talking your walk? Do your words line up with what you say you believe in your heart? James uh, is, is, if you read throughout his, his, his whole uh, letter here, James is really good at being blunt, kind of very straightforward. And, and later in this chapter, in James 3, he kind of gets to the point. Here's what he says in verse 9. He said, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What he's talking about is where that water, where those things come from, comes from the heart. He's trying to get to the point. He's trying to explain your words and your life should line up. They should be consistent. Those little things can make a lasting difference. See, it's not simply about saying the right things but about having a consistency of your words. I get it. We can sing these incredible songs of worship in this place. We can be all happy and smiley to everyone in the foyer. But what are we really like out there, outside these walls? What are we really like in here, in our hearts? How are our words different at work or at home or at school, behind closed doors, when no one's watching, when no one's posting? How are we then? When I was a kid, I remember going to the hospital one time with my dad, and uh, he is a pastor, and uh, he was the guy who was up here earlier, and um, I remember going to the hospital with him to visit someone. I'll never forget this. I was a little kid, and I remember walking down the hall of the hospital, and we were going to this lady's room, and, and as we were kind of going down the hall, you could hear this lady and her husband were arguing, and the expletives were flying, and all of that, and, and as we walk in the door, the pastor was there, and she changed, like real quick, and she started like speaking with these and thous. And, and I remember as a, as a, it's weird, I know. As a child, I remember thinking, that's the oddest thing I've ever heard. Who talks like that? But what was even more odd is, like, it was like two different people. There was like two completely different people. And now, now, as a side note, I understand language and words can be a, a very relative thing to a culture. You know, a swear word in one culture isn't necessarily one in another. Uh, and, and while you're not necessarily going to hell because you told someone to go to hell or because you swore at that person who cut you off from Route 30, uh, I understand, like, things happen, words slip, all of that. I do believe, though, that there is a connection between the discipline of our words and the discipline of our lives. And, and while I, we all slip up, make, say things, and all that, we need to, to, to recognize where do these things come from? See, James writes, if you allow both blessing and cursing to flow out of your mouth, you'll find yourself living a very scattered, double life. Like you're, you're living in two different worlds and you're trying to keep both up. Uh, I, I've seen this happen. I know this is really easy to do. You've got your like church face and life and then you've got your like real life and, and like what you do uh, outside of church is different from what you do in church or even what you talk or, or any of that. Like that's not right. That's called hypocritical. We're, we're called to be the same. Okay? Like, whether we're in this compartment or this compartment, we're the same person. There are no compartments. You are a person. You're not a Tupperware bin. Okay? I know. That's hard to believe. But, but we're, we're a person. And, and, and our words should, make, should, should align across the board. And it's this little thing that when we align it, it makes a lasting difference. That when you talk the same 
behind closed doors, as in front of everybody, all of a sudden people are like, oh, wow, there's something different about them. It shouldn't be that way, but it's true. There's consistency. What we say to, uh, to ourselves, what we say to others, and these are kind of the two areas that we, we, we talk about, the, the two different directions we point our words, to ourselves and to others. Uh, the, these are where we, we point it. What we say to uh, ourselves about ourselves may not be a reality in the moment, but I promise you it will become a reality, for better or for worse. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you keep telling yourself that you're a failure as a parent, that you're ugly, that you're stupid, you don't have what it takes, your words will eventually become a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you can speak the promises and truth of God's word over your life, not lies, not things that aren't true, not things that are made up, but, but the truth of God's word, you're eventually going to find yourself living it out. Uh, for example, if, if I said to myself every morning when I woke up and looked in the mirror, Nick, you are an incredible trumpet player. You're amazing at playing the trumpet. You are the best the world has ever seen. You are incredible playing the trumpet. Those words are not found in truth. I can't play a trumpet to save my life. No matter how many times I say that to myself, it's not going to change anything, right? Uh, It's speaking the truth of God's word in our lives and, and the promises of God. I know they might not be grounded in today's experience, but they're still true. They're still true. Is speaking the truth of God's word, not the relative, always changing truth of our current experience. It's a little thing that can make a lasting difference. The second is how we talk, talk to or talk about others. This is, I don't want to step on anyone's toes here, but this, this can be a little painful sometimes. You know, sometimes we can talk about our spouse, you know, the old ball and chain, or we, we talk negatively about our spouse uh, and and, 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 the, and when we talk to, negatively to anyone else about our spouse, what's going to happen is you eventually take on that negative perspective of your spouse. It will affect how you interact with him or her. Keep talking about how horrible your wife is or how horrible your husband is or how, how uh, messed up everyone is and all that. And, and eventually, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start treating them like they're horrible and messed up. How you talk about them or to them. If you're constantly complaining about your job, I promise you, you will grow to hate your job, even if it's a decent one. But if you could constantly talk about the good aspects of your job or your workplace, there's no perfect workplace, you'll start to appreciate it better. Because here's the idea, here's the principle. What you depreciate, depreciates. What you appreciate, appreciates. If you want to depreciate something, start talking down to it or about it. In a relationship, if you start talking like your, your relationship with your son or your daughter is the worst ever because they're, they're garbage, they're horrible, you're going to start treating them like they're garbage and they're horrible. You see, our words often give us a glimpse to a deeper place of our soul. We may try to hide those things, but they're indicators of what's going on deep down inside. This is what the author of Proverbs says in Proverbs 18, verse 4 says, the words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. The, the, the words that we speak are deep, deep waters. They are glimpses into our soul. And, and, and they're not to be just thrown around flippantly. And here's my challenge to you today. First of all, look deep down. If your words aren't reflecting grace, goodness, or what God says about you or your situation, evaluate where those words are coming from. 
You know, we, we, we shouldn't just like discipline ourselves in our words. Like we hate everybody and hate the world and we just start talking like we love everybody and love the world. That's not going to change anything in here, right? All that is is a matter of discipline. What I'm talking about is start deep down. It's pointless to address the surface without looking at the source. We can address the surface all we want, but it's just going to be a band-aid until we look at the source. What's happening in your life at the heart level? Maybe your words are angry, jaded, condescending because of something deeper that's happening outside of your current circumstances. Why are you always frustrated? Why are you always angry? Why are your words so negative? Why do you just rip everybody apart? Why, why are you like that? Not your words, your heart. That's what Proverbs says. It's a glimpse into the, the mouth is deep waters. The words are deep waters. What I've noticed in my own life is circumstances can often bring up hidden fears and emotions. And sometimes, maybe you've had this happen, circumstances are like this big stirring stick. And they start stirring all this junk I've tried to hide, suppress, push down. And a circumstance happens and it just stirs the pot. And all the stuff starts coming to the surface. I've noticed this one, you know, getting married, having kids. That has a way of pulling it out, right? You know, you didn't realize you were really selfish until you had a kid. And I know for me, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I had my kid and then a second kid and a third kid. And I'm like, wow, I'm still selfish. I thought I was worked through that in the first one. Um, Circumstances have a way of stirring the pot in your life. And and what we, our our tendency can be, because it's easier in those moments, is to just push it deeper. But a circumstance is going to come, it's going to stir it up again. Trying to be positive if you've never addressed what's happening at your heart level can be a pretty futile exercise. We, we try to address our words simply, but not without addressing the heart. We need to look deep at our heart, reflect, take an opportunity to look deeper. One of the things, an exercise I've found that can be really helpful is go seven wise deep. What I mean by that is ask yourself why. Why am I feeling this? Why am I saying this? Why are these words coming out? Why? And then go seven, six more wise deep. Might sound like repetitive, but if you can get seven wise deep, you often can get to the heart of an issue. What, what's really going on? Ha, find out why, why am I feeling this way? And after you've addressed your heart, then look at your words. Do your words line up with your life? Do your words line up with the life you hope to live? It, it might seem like a little thing, but trying to tackle the big things can be overwhelming and sometimes seem nearly impossible. Why not start with something little that when repeated over time, can bring about lasting change. As the worship team comes today, this is the simple idea. Little things can make a lasting difference. It can. On, on October or on November 21st in 1873, the French ocean liner, Vélez de Havre, was, was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers was the wife of a successful lawyer and businessman from Chicago. His name was Horatio Spadford. His wife's name was Anna. Anna was uh, on the ship with her four daughters, and although Mr. Spadford had hoped to, to take the trip with his family, he had a business issue to address and to deal with back in Chicago, so he was going to join them a few days later. And as the, 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 the ship uh, embarks toward Europe, about four days into crossing the Atlantic, the Ville de, de Havre 
collided with a powerful iron-hauled Scottish ship called the Loch Urn. Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Within approximately 12 minutes, this ship started to slip beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of its passengers, including all four of the Spatford girls. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship once was discovers this woman who's hanging on to a piece of wreckage. It was Anna Spatford. He, he helped her into her, his boat. Eventually, they were picked up by a larger vessel, and, and nine days later, they landed in Cardiff, Wales. From there, Anna Spatford quickly wired her, her husband a message with these words. Saved alone, what shall I do? Could you imagine going on a vacation, losing your children, and you're still alive? The, the, the incredible sorrow and grief Horatio Spadford booked passage on the very next available ship and left uh, to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spadford to his cabin and told him that they were now over the place where his four daughters had passed. According to Bertha Spadford Vester, a daughter who was born after the tragedy, she said that Spadford in this moment began to pen the words, the famous words to the song, It Is Well With My Soul. He wrote these words in this incredible, grief-filled, devastating moment. He wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How can a man write words like that? How can anyone speak words like that when they've walked through not like a reflecting back, just days after a, a painful tragedy, like losing your daughters. It wasn't because of he was feeling great. It was because of what was deep down in his soul. That God had something deeper happening. He wasn't basing his words on his experience or a moment. He was basing it on a promise, what he knew to be true. This is what the, the, the prophet Habakkuk would write in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. He wrote, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, in, a, in an agricultural world which Habakkuk lived in, this was everything. Though everything that you bank your life on, every source of income, resource, provision for your family, all of them are gone. It's gone. There's nothing to show, nothing in the bank, and there's no hope for tomorrow. Though all of this happens, he says this, yet, can you say the word yet? Yet, one more time, yet. Yet such a powerful word, isn't it? All of this is happening, but in spite of that, yet, here's what he said, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And, and this is the power of our words, the influence of our words. That when we recognize our circumstances don't have to dictate our response, but something happening deeper within us, that there is a promise that God has for our life that we hold on to, that, 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 that God is transforming our hearts, that, that our words become glimpses into the deepest parts of our soul, that we can actually worship, we can declare that our words, even when our circumstances aren't, can reflect God's promise. There's power in our words. Don't underestimate the power of our words. 
And in a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna sing that song, It Is Well. Before we do that, though, you might be here. You'd say, Nick, you know, I've, I've come to church for the first time today or, or I've been coming for a little while and, and, and I know this is really hard to get my words in line and all of that and I want to. This isn't a matter of discipline. This isn't a, a matter of legalism. That's not what I'm talking about. As I mentioned, it starts at the heart level. Maybe you've never surrendered. We sang that song earlier. Maybe you've never surrendered or given your life to Jesus, meaning, Jesus, I want to give all that I am, the very core of my being, to you that you would transform me at the heart level, at the deepest part, not the surface level, not that you look the part, but inside you're dying, but that inside you're living and you're still working it out on the outside. Does that make sense? Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never taken the step to do that, to surrender your heart today, to take that step and say, God, at the heart level, deepest part of my soul, I want to give that to you. And I pray that in the coming weeks and months and years, that you can start working that out on the outside in my words and my actions. If you've never taken that step, I want to give you an opportunity here in a moment. If you could bow your heads with me, we're going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your promise. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is even working on people's hearts at this moment. That you ordained this moment, that you had this moment circled on their life calendar for a reason and a purpose. That there are those who are here that know they're trying so hard on the outside to make things work, but that it becomes a heart issue. Lord, I pray today that you would just give them the courage and the boldness to say, God, I hand my heart, my life over to you. Have your way in my life. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here and you've never taken that step to say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my heart to him. I want to commit my life to live for his purpose. If you've never taken that step before, in a minute, I'm going to count to three. As I count to three, as an act of your will, I just want you to reach your hand toward heaven. I'm not going to embarrass you or, or make you stand out or anything like that. I just want you to take that step, act of your will, to reach your hand toward heaven, and then we're going to pray collectively together from our seats. That's you this morning. The Holy Spirit's working on you. He's saying, God, this, this is the reason that I had you here today, to take this step of surrender. That's you. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen. 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 Anyone else today? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me together. Whether you raised your hand or not, we're the family of God. We pray together. We stand together. We support one another. We're going to pray this prayer together. This isn't some magic prayer or super spiritual thing. This is just a conversation with God that I want to lead you in. My hope for, for each of us, whether you raised your hand or not, that this might be the first of many conversations that you have with God. That's all prayer is. Would you pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, Thank you for loving me, just as I am. Today I surrender the deepest part of my being, my very heart. Would you transform it? Would you heal it? Would you redeem it? I commit to live for you. I accept the forgiveness of my past. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. 
You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 